Welcome to It's a Crime, I'm Linda, and today we're going to be talking about one of Lori Vallow Daybell's missing children, Joshua Vallow, also known as JJ Vallow. I did do a previous video on Tylee Ryan, and since the latest info was that the children had went missing at different times, I really wanted to do separate video for each of them. You can check Tylee's video right here, and I will have it in the description below. But before I get into it, if you want to be part of the It's a Crime community, be sure to click the subscribe button and hit that notification bell. Click the like button if you support this video and share this video where you can. With that being said, let's get into it. JJ Vallow is seven years old and was last seen on September 23rd, 2019. He has brown hair, brown eyes, and is four feet tall and weighs 50 pounds. JJ is also autistic. I'm going to explain a little bit more about him and also I'm going to do a timeline so we get a better idea from his point of view and what's happened. Now you may or may not know that before Lori married Chad Daybell, she was married to a man named Charles Vallow. She also had separated from him. They were married for 13 years and separated in early 2019. Now back to JJ. JJ is adopted. Lori and Charles Vallow adopted JJ in 2014. And you may even have seen JJ's grandparents, Larry and Kay Woodcock. They have been pleading for the safe return of JJ and Tylee and even put out a reward for them. And Larry and Kay are JJ's biological grandparents. They have a son who is the biological father of JJ. But Kay Woodcock told KSL TV News that her son was addicted to drugs when JJ was born. And JJ's bio mom, who dated her son, used drugs during her pregnancy. So Larry and Kay took care of JJ. And before his first birthday, Lori and Charles adopted him. So JJ is Charles's great nephew. And Charles is JJ's great uncle and now adopted dad. Yes, it's confusing, just like the whole entire story. Now in 2014, they moved from Arizona to Kauai, Hawaii, and they owned a little juice business on the island until 2016, 2017. And then they moved back to Arizona. So now we fast forward to January, 2019. And at this point, things start getting a little rocky with Lori and Charles. Okay, a lot rocky for them. And Lori starts doing some shady things. On January 28th, Lori Vallow allegedly transfers $10,000 from Charles's business account into their personal account, and then she moves it into an unknown account. She then transfers $2,000 of Charles Enterprise points to a personal account. But Charles doesn't find this out till early February. And on January 29th, just the next day, Lori also allegedly transfers another $25,000 from Charles's business account into their joint account, and then takes that money and puts this into this unknown account. So now she's transferred $35,000 and these 2,000 enterprise points. The account is then stated that it is left with $911. There's also some transactions after that. There was a $500 withdrawal 
and there was also a $250 withdrawal and then a credit card payment made, leaving the bank account with $61.53. But it's unclear this last bit if Lori is the one who took out the money or if it was Charles. On that same day, there was a phone conversation with Charles and Lori because Charles was on a business meeting out of town. And she says to Charles that she was a god, that she was assigned to carry out the work of the 144,000 at Christ's second coming, July 2020. She also said she would have to murder him if he got in her way and tried to stop him. Now here's where she does some shady things besides pilfering the money. Charles has his own business and payrolls due, so she wipes him clean and now he's left not being able to pay his payroll. And she did all this while he was out of town, like I mentioned. So he gets to the airport to fly back home, only he finds out she canceled his flight. So he has to buy a last minute ticket for $600, and then when he lands and goes to the parking lot, he can't find his vehicle anywhere. Lori had used a spare key to go and get his truck and Charles had to go and rent a vehicle for three days because he didn't find out for three days where she actually put his truck. So he gets home and the locks have been changed and he then finds out that she hides all of his clothes right down to his underwear and hides his computer and his computer is part of his business. It's also noted that she takes JJ's medicine that he's on because he takes a medication, I'll get into that in a little bit, but he takes that to help with some of the symptoms from his autism. She also takes JJ's iPad, which he uses also to help him throughout the day. And she goes and takes JJ's service dog's collar as well. And I'll explain more about the service dog. So she does all that. And if that's not enough, she takes off for 58 days leaving both JJ and Charles, and remember now JJ's only six at this point, and leaves them with $61 in the bank account. Now it's not clear where she went for the entire 58 days, but some of it she spent with Tylee in Hawaii, and reports are also saying that she spent some time in Arizona at her brother Alex Cox's house. So now it's February, and on February 6th, Charles finds out about the transferred enterprise points that Lori made and finds out that she's also called JJ's school to see if he was in class. And Charles was worried that Lori was going to use these enterprise points and take JJ out of state. So two days later, Charles decides to file for divorce. And two days after that, Charles changes his $1 million life insurance policy and takes Lori off of it as his beneficiary. And he is concerned at this point for his life because of her threats. So then he has a discussion with his sister, Kay Woodcock. And Kay says, Charles and I had a conversation. He had a million dollar policy with Lori as the beneficiary and he told me he wanted me to be the sole recipient. I told him to leave it to his boys, but he was worried about what Lori was going to do. Now, Kay insisted the money go to Charles's two sons from a previous marriage and his adopted son, JJ. 
So Charles said to her, Lori doesn't want me anymore. She doesn't want JJ and you'll end up raising JJ. So I want you to have the money. So then on February 15th, Charles files a document asking for temporary custody of JJ, exclusive use of the house, the vehicle, and return of the stolen money and return of JJ's personal items. And the process servers at this point can't find Lori to serve her. So now I don't know what happened, but by March 1st, Charles decides to drop the divorce proceedings. And there was talk that the two were going to work things out and give it another try. But a week later, Charles withdraws JJ from his school and they move from Arizona to Houston, Texas. Now Lori at this point is gone, but at the end of March, Lori returns home from her 58 day adventure and abandonment. If we fast forward a bit into June, on June 20th, Lori moves into a rental home in Chandler, Arizona. And Lori then contacts JJ School, which is called the Life Academy, which by the way is a super awesome school and really helps kids who have special needs. And she contacts the school and tells them that the family is back in Arizona and she will be enrolling JJ in the school again. So on July 11th, Charles Vallow comes to pick up JJ where Lori's living and he gets shot by Alex Cox, Lori's brother. And Alex states that it was self-defense. JJ was actually taken to school that day and Tylee was seen standing beside Lori in a police body cam. And they were asking her questions about how long have you lived there? And Lori is very jovial in this video. And she's acting like no big deal, nothing's even happened. And the police officer says, you know, how long have you been here? She goes, oh, like I've only moved here a couple weeks. And she goes, ha sorry neighbors, something like that. And it's very bizarre behavior. Here, her husband of 13 years, even though they had recently separated, has died in her living room from two gunshot wounds. But she's like, nothing's even happened. Later that afternoon, she decides to have a pool party at the house. And numerous neighbors were talking about her having a pool party and it being very, very loud. But Lori says to her oldest son, Colby, that Charles has had a heart attack. And then she texts Charles's sons from the previous marriage and tells them that their dad died through a text. They ask what happened and Lori tells them that she's still waiting on a medical examination report. But seriously, she texts them the news, probably because she doesn't want to sound too happy when she delivers the news. And in her mind, she thinks she's getting a million dollars. So if you haven't seen the body cam footage, you really should because it's just a very interesting take on her behavior. Now, Charles's sons are in the dark about what's going on, but Charles's ex-wife decides to look up on the medical examiner website and finds out that it's a homicide. Later that month, Lori tells JJ's school that he committed suicide. So which one is it, Lori? Heart attack or waiting on the medical examiner or suicide? And Charles's ex-wife, Cheryl says this, Lori's family scheduled no funeral services, nothing. The Vallow family put together a memorial and Lori sent all of Charles's ashes. Kay and Larry 
begged Lori to have JJ there, but she didn't let him go to his own dad's funeral. They didn't even have an obituary. So a few days after Charles was killed, Lori calls the insurance company to find out about the $1 million life insurance policy that Charles had and she thinks she's getting. But the agent actually informs Lori that she's not going to be getting the money as Charles has changed his policy. Two weeks later, Kay Woodcock gets a text from Lori and it says this. First, she sent a photo of the change of beneficiary form where it named Kay as the sole beneficiary and she wrote five kids and no money and his sister gets everything. And the five children she's referring to is Colby Ryan, her oldest, Tylee Ryan, JJ Vallow, and Charles's two sons. And that was the last text that Kay got from Lori. And one of the things that happened right after this is that the communication with JJ and his grandparents, both Larry and Kay, started to diminish. And in August, that was the last time they heard from him. And Kay Woodcock says that she believes that the disappearance could be tied to the money. And she says, I believe if Charles had left her the million dollars, she would have given JJ back to us and we would be extremely happy. I wish he would have because JJ is worth more than anything in the world. She puts a price on people and if they are no longer of value to her, she eliminates them. She goes on to say to her, it's all about the dollars. It's all about the fact we got the money and she did not. She was bound and determined to hurt us and she used JJ. That's been her revenge. Now, by the end of July, JJ's school, the Life Academy, finds out that Charles actually got shot and didn't commit suicide. So the Academy does their due diligence and submits a CPS file report with the Arizona's Department of Child Safety. And in that time frame, Lori decides to put up the service dog for sale. And she lists it for $2,500. Now JJ's service dog is named Bailey and he was a very important part to JJ's life. JJ had a habit of wandering off and he had trouble sleeping at night. So the trainer said that he would get up in the middle of the night and they had to have all doors locked and everything secured so he wouldn't wander off into the neighborhood. He says one of the first nights that JJ slept through the night and stayed in his bed was the first night that Bailey stayed there with him. And you can't just sell a service dog. So the trainer catches wind and sees this ad for sale for Bailey and he messages Lori and says, you have to give the dog back to the rescue group. So Lori tells the trainer, well, you need to come get Bailey because we are moving to Idaho. And that doesn't even make sense because a service dog would go with her. And the trainer said he was shocked when he got the call and asked why she wants to give up the dog. And she says, well, because Charles passed away. And the trainer asked if everything is okay, but she said it's too hard to talk about right now. So August 5th, JJ goes back to the Life Academy school and JJ's grandparents actually call to see if he's okay. They call the school to see if he's okay. Now on August 10th, there is a 36 second FaceTime call with JJ and his grandparents. And they said that JJ loved to talk through FaceTime. They would always communicate together. They said, but this day something seemed 
really off. And they mentioned that it's almost like somebody was telling him what to say and coaching him. And Larry says, his grandfather, there was somebody else there. They were holding the device. Normally, JJ would hold the device and he'd run around with it. And they just said, yeah, it was really quick, 36 seconds. And it was like, okay, bye-bye, gotta go. And that was it. That was the last time they talked to him. So now by the end of August, Lori leaves her Arizona home and moves to Rexburg, Idaho. And on September 1st, they are in Rexburg. And neighbors told investigators that JJ had played with their son multiple times since Lori had moved into the apartment. And they said that was about September 1st, September 2nd. So September 3rd, Lori enrolls JJ in a Rexburg, Idaho school named Kennedy Elementary. And something to note, this is not a specialized school. We're not even sure if Lori even told them that JJ has autism and he has certain needs for learning. And two days later, after she enrolls JJ into this school, on September 5th, she sends an email to his old school and she tells them that she's been offered a job out of state and had to accept it and JJ won't be returning. And she says this, since the circumstances in our lives have changed dramatically since my husband passed away last month, I have been offered a job out of state and have had to accept it. We have had to move quickly since the job started ASAP, so I'm sad to inform you that Joshua won't be returning this year. We are doing our best to adjust to our new life. So then on September 6th, the next day, a neighbor of Lori and the family takes a picture of Tylee and JJ and another child in front of their townhouse and JJ's sitting on the ground. But the neighbors said they took the picture because they thought it was really odd that a child would dump their a basket full of stuffed animals into a puddle outside. And this is what the text said. The new kid brought a laundry basket full of toys, mostly like stuffed plushy types, and dumped them all in a massive puddle in the corner of the grass. Now on September 8th, which is just two days later, Lori, her brother Alex Cox, Tylee, and JJ head to Yellowstone National Park. The FBI released photos of them and are asking people if they were there to submit any photos just in case they're in the background or any video that they may have. And if you do have videos, it says to go to fbi.gov Rexburg and you can upload photos and video there. Now, nine days later on September 17th, there was a doorbell camera that captured footage of JJ going outside to play with another kid. And it shows JJ running across the yard with another kid. And he's heard saying, get the hell out of here. And you can hear the friend say, don't say that word, that's a bad word. And once they go into the townhouse, you can hear a woman saying, don't say that word, I mean it, don't say that word. And this is the possibly the last video of JJ before his disappearance. Neighbors also remarked that they were concerned about JJ's behavior because he seemed irritable and angered really easily. And they said that he would spend long periods of time outside without supervision. And neighbors also said that Lori told them that her husband had recently died and she moved to Rexburg 
so her daughter could go to school. And FYI, Tylee wasn't registered in a school. They also said that Lori never mentioned to them that JJ was autistic and told at least two neighbors that he was her niece's drug baby. She said this after they confronted Lori about his behavior and lack of adult supervision. When Kay Woodcock saw this video and Larry, they said that this is just chilling to me. That is her adoptive son and for her not to even acknowledge him in that way, I can't wrap my mind around it. And it just scares the hell out of me, she says. It scares me that she wasn't tending to him. All this change for this little boy with autism, consistency is key for him. And side note, if you're not very aware with autism, once you meet one person with autism, you meet one person with autism, meaning every person who has autism is very different and can show different signs, different symptoms, etc. So she's saying consistency is key for him and he likes schedule and he used his iPad for that. He was on medication. But his grandparents say that his irritable behavior is a troubling sign. They said they fear he was acting up because he wasn't taking his meds. And Larry says, I have never seen him out of control that way ever. And there was no doubt she was withholding his medication for him to act that way. And then Kay says she had a bottle of his medicine. Yeah, she has a bottle of his risperidone. It's what they found there. And risperidone, according to court documents, is a tranquilizer prescribed to treat irritability caused by autism. And that's something they use with children who have autism. So the day after this video was taken, Lori contacts a nanny through care.com and she inquires about care for JJ and mentions he has autism. And so the nanny goes over to Lori's house and meets with Lori and JJ. And according to the nanny, Lori mentioned what some of his tendencies were and mentioned the recent family trauma and revealed some details about Tylee. And this is what the nanny said. She explained to me how they recently moved here from Arizona. Her husband had just died of a heart attack and how JJ doesn't quite understand the situation. Lori said how she and her husband adopted JJ and that he was her nephew. Her daughter also lives in Rexburg and is going to college. She said her daughter doesn't like to babysit JJ without being paid, so she wanted me to work for her. Okay, side note before I get into that. That does not make any sense. Tylee wouldn't babysit JJ without being paid, but she's about to pay a nanny to watch JJ. Wouldn't you rather your money go to Tylee than somebody else? Oh wait, I know why you're getting a nanny, because Tylee is nowhere to be found. Continuing on, the nanny says, occasionally her daughter would come visit for dinner or to do laundry, but she never said that she lived there with them. It appeared that only Lori and JJ lived there from the looks of things and from what she told me. The nanny said Lori looked well put together and happy and that she was very welcoming and gave me a hug. She said that her first impression of Lori was that she seemed kind of stressed out being a newly widowed mom alone with her autistic son. So the next day on September 19th, the nanny comes back to babysit JJ. For a while, JJ happily played with neighbors, but eventually started crying and screaming. 
The nanny said, I tried to calm him down, distract him with the show, tell him how sometimes people need a break and how he needs to share. She said, he threw the chair from their wooden table down, flipped the ottoman over by their couch and then ran upstairs. I let him cry for a bit, hoping he would calm down, but he didn't. JJ was upset and said his mom wouldn't want me to come over again, that he hated me and didn't want to be my friend. Shortly after his freak out, his mom, her brother, and the friend walked in from the garage because they said that she was going to go to a airport and pick up a friend and it was described that it was actually Melanie Gibb or it was described that it was a friend who does podcasts with her, which the person that did the podcasts was Melanie Gibbs, so we're not sure if that's who it was or not. Shortly after his freak out, the mom calmed JJ and asked me what happened. I explained the situation and she babied him as if he could never do no wrong. I felt a little overwhelming the amount of love she was showing him instead of trying to teach him and calm him. The nanny was paid, she left, and assumed that it was understood that she would watch JJ again. But this was the last day she saw Lori and JJ. Now, just a little comment about his behavior. If he's not on his meds, which is to help with the anger and um, some of the behavior issues, if he's not on his meds, this is going to happen. But I also want to mention this. This child who is seven years old had his dad die, his sister is missing, he's at a new school that does not cater to the needs like his last school, he doesn't seem to be on his medication, and he doesn't have his service dog, plus he's in a new home, and this child thrives on schedules and consistency. So anyone, I believe, would have behavioral issues at this point. Now on September 23rd, just days later, JJ was last seen attending his school at Kennedy Elementary and Lori withdrew her son the next day on September 24th, which just so happens to be Tylee's birthday. And she claims that she's going to homeschool JJ. So on that September 24th, that next day, the nanny asks Lori about more work. And Lori tells her that JJ's now with his grandparents and that she was in Hawaii and would be back in around a month. And that was the last time the nanny heard from Lori. The nanny followed up about a month later to see if there was work and she didn't get a response. A week later after JJ was last seen on October 1st, Lori rents a storage unit in Rexburg. Guess she's not in Hawaii like she told her nanny. Things were brought into that storage unit and you can see, I'll put a link here to the video or in the description. And I will also have the playlist of Lori Vallow in the description as well. But there were bicycles found in there, children's toys, clothes, scooters, a photo album, two blankets. One of them was of JJ and his pictures on it and another big blanket with Tylee Ryan and her pictures on it. Now fast forward a month in November, November 5th, Lori and Chad get married in Hawaii in a private ceremony and both JJ and Tylee are nowhere to be found. November 26th, there's a welfare check for JJ. Larry and Kay Woodcock phone in and ask for a welfare check. 
and authorities go to Lori's house and meet up with Alex Cox and Chad Daybell, and they were outside. And according to court records, Chad acts like he doesn't even know Lori very well, and he says that he doesn't know her phone number, even though he's married to her. Now, Alex said that JJ was with Kay and Larry in Louisiana, but that's not likely true because the one who called for the welfare check was Larry and Kay. Authorities then catch up to Chad. He was leaving in his black SUV and they ask him again, have you seen JJ? And he says he saw him in October and admits to lying about not knowing Lori's phone number. Later that day, police talk to Lori and Lori tells the authorities that JJ was with a friend of hers in Arizona and her name is Melanie Gibb. When they couldn't reach Melanie, they go talk to Lori again and Lori tells them that he's in a Frozen 2 movie and that's why they're, that Melanie's probably not answering. But Melanie later calls authorities back and states that JJ isn't with her and had not been there for several months. And she also tells them that on separate occasions on November 26th, the day of the welfare check, that Chad and Lori both asked Melanie to lie and say that JJ was with them and she refused. So the next day on November 27th, Rexburg police decide to go back with search warrants to Lori's home. They also search Lori's brother Alex's home and also Lori's niece Melanie, and they all live in the same townhome complex. But JJ was nowhere to be found, and police did find JJ's pill bottle with 17 pills of the risperidone. Only this pill bottle was from January 2019. And if you remember, Lori actually stole those pills way back in January, along with hiding Charles's clothes and all that other stuff. Authorities did check on the last time that the prescription had been filled, and that was the January before. There was no records of her filling a prescription in Idaho. And they said, we have verified through the Idaho State Pharmacy Board that said prescription has not been filled in Idaho. So now on December 1st, Chad and Lori leave to Hawaii. On December 20th, there's a official search announced for JJ and Tylee. The Rexburg Police Department go public in their search for JJ and Tylee. And police then call Chad and Lori Daybell's persons of interest in the kids' disappearance. On January 7th, Larry and Kay Woodcock travel from Louisiana to Rexburg and meet with investigators. They hold a news conference and announce that there's a $20,000 reward for the information leading to the children. Larry says, these are beautiful young children. They're two extremely intelligent young children and we want them back. We want them back in our family. We don't say the D word. We don't want to and we're not going to because we truly believe and we hope and pray that these kids are alive. So on January 25th, Lori is served in order to produce the children while she's in Hawaii and she has five days to produce these kids. The next day on January 26th, authorities have a search warrant for Chad and Lori's rental vehicle. And in it, they find Tylee and JJ's birth certificates. Tylee's financial transaction card, which is noted in the affidavit that it's active and has been used since Tylee's been missing. They find JJ's iPad with his initials on it. 
another iPad which has been logged into JJ's account. They find JJ's registration receipts from his new school in Rexburg, and yet they don't find JJ or Tylee. There was also a warrant for the place that Chad and Lori had been staying, and it was documented that there kind of was two of everything, two yoga mats, two of this, two of that, but nothing that would indicate that there was any kids living there. There was also a second bedroom and no sign of JJ or Tylee or their belongings, other than what was described in the car. So on January 29th, the grandparents file for guardianship for JJ in Madison County. Then the next day on January 30th, Lori Daybell misses the 5 p.m. deadline to produce JJ and Tylee. Now here is something that is really peculiar. In February of this year, JJ's old school, the Life Academy in Arizona, finds out that Lori has been actively logging into an app called Blooms. And this app is for parents of the students of the school. So they can keep up on what the children are doing that day, how their behavior was, little things like that. They could share projects. It's a really cool app. But JJ stopped going to the school at the end of August. So it's odd that she had been frequently logging in since then, up until February. And when Life Academy found out, they obviously blocked her from having access. But I'm wondering if she was using JJ's iPad to access it. So on February 21st, Lori is booked into the Kauai Correctional Center. And on March 5th, she's extradited to Idaho and is now sitting in jail there. And she had her bond reduced from $5 million to $1 million, but nobody wants to bond her out. And the bondsmen don't want to strike a deal. So you can see that this is a pretty crazy story. And whoever is involved in Lori's life seems to all have some pretty weird stories and happenings. You might want to check out some of my other videos where I talk about the deaths and marriages because it's a cluster. It was a cluster of people divorcing each other and then it was a cluster in November of people marrying each other. And one thing that I have found out since recording this video just before I recorded so I didn't have the time to dig in but I did see a video from East Idaho News and it's of a document that states some weird things that was said of what Lori believes that the kids may have been zombies and I remember there was something that she told Charles her ex-husband that he had a new name and then she thought that he was possessed. So this is really disconcerting now that we know that she has some weird zombie reference and maybe she had to get rid of the children because she believed they were zombies. I don't know, I'm gonna dig more. But it definitely said zombies. And the man who said it, his name is Ian Pulowski and he is a man who married Lori's niece. Lori's niece filed for divorce in June from her ex-husband and father of her children 
and then gets married to this guy in November. And he comes forward and says, this is the conversation me and Melanie had. And maybe this is what has sort of happened or what the beliefs were. So I'll dig into that. Let's have a chit chat below. We'll talk about JJ and we'll talk about all the other stories around Lori because it's absolutely nutty. Please subscribe if you haven't done so. Click the like button and click the share button. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.